Hello, and welcome to Into the Aether. It's a low-key video game podcast, and my name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. And joining us for the second time, is this our first ever repeat guest? I think it might be. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, is editor-in-chief of Polygon.com, Chris Plant. I'm back, baby! (laughs) Welcome to us again. Welcome back. Uh, you you reached out to us because there's a game that you've been playing and I uh-huh. think have now finished playing that you've really, really wanted to talk about. Um, yeah. And I think you knew that I was also playing it at the same time. So uh, we had to bring you on to talk about Death Stranding. It's Pac-Man. Oh, Death Stranding. <laughs> uh, you got to hear about this one. <laughs> maka maka. Um, so we're, we're going to talk a lot about Death Stranding. And uh, just so this episode isn't entirely filled with spoilers. So those of you who haven't played Death Stranding have something to listen to. We're going to move that segment <laughs> towards the end and open with a game uh, that just came out this week, which uh, Chris has played a whole bunch of. And I am mega curious about. And Steven is as well which is Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury for the Nintendo Switch. Mm. It's two games in one. It's two what games you, in one. I guess you, you don't need me to talk about Super Mario 3D World, really. Do, I mean, do you, you know how it works, right? Do, Maybe do, a brief do, do, do overview. Just like as, uh, so Super Mario 3D World, I have said many times on this podcast, is my favorite Mario game like easily. Uh, and, and a lot of that comes down to the multiplayer element of it. Specifically, it was couch co-op originally and now is online, which I can't wait to get my hands on. I imagine Steve and I are going to play like a ridiculous amount of that game. Oh yeah, totally. Absolutely. Uh, I, it, I, I agree with you. It might be my favorite. It, it, it in uh, New Super Mario Brothers Wii U yeah. Um, is like right there, which means the two greatest Mario games uh, ever came out on the Wii U, which is just a great waste of talent. Yeah, <laughs> and they're both now on the Switch, which is wonderful. Correct, correct. But I, I feel like um, <laughs> this is such a shitty take. I'm sorry. The Wii U was peak fun Nintendo, and then the Switch is peak smart Nintendo. Where they're like, ah, we had so much fun, but now what if we just really flexed how brainy we are? So you're like, oh, Breath of the Wild. Yeah, I admire it. Like, I I love admiring games. Playing them, no thank you. But admiring them, yes. And that is kind of how I feel with Odyssey 2, where I'm like, I really admire this game. But 3D World is just pure fun. Like, it is a game about joy and the joy of Mario and silliness. There are baseballs. You throw them at Goomba's faces. You dress up as a cat, which looks stupid, but feels <laughs> so good. It's just, it, it is, it is the culmination, I feel like, of, of all Mario games. And then Odyssey feels like, oh, well, now here's the new starting point for Mario. We're, we are going in a different direction, um, which is ironic because what you would see if you read any reviews of Bowser's Fury, which is this, I don't know, add-on with Super Mario 3D World on the Switch, is maybe this is the new direction of Mario. And that's because it is an open-world Mario game in, like, the true sense, not in, like, hey, this level's open and you can walk around it. It's, hey, there's just one giant level, and it's a, like, kind of pretty kind of hideous archipelago is that a, that's not how you say it let's say series of islands <laughs> that works. That works for me. in each uh island chunk is what would be a level in a different like any other mario game but now you can just kind of like hop skip from one to the next which really means it doesn't feel that different than most mario games except for you look in the distance and you can see the other stages yeah which matters because the big selling point every now and then on a timer that you can't see a giant kaiju sized bowser shows up covered in 
like oil or black ink and completely just rips shit across the environment like giant black obelisks fall from the sky he spews fire at you makes it really hard to do your job of collecting cat shines which are stars Mm, great um and you can transform into a giant cat naturally and fight kaiju (laughs) bowser (laughs) because they've just given up on any logic and consistency in the mario universe one night only and (laughs) this big open world becomes like kind of your barriers that you hide behind so you actually need the open world because like that that sounds more fun than it actually is to be honest Mm. (laughs) it's like not really like cover shooter which it should be but conceptually it's really it's really neat and i would say uh, back to more of like hey what if we just tried something fun and kind of broke the rules of mario a bit yeah. Yeah. I, I One of the things that I think uh, we've talked about a, a bunch is just this idea that like, although you can never really predict what Nintendo is going to do generally, just like as as a rule, like never try and predict what Nintendo's up to. You can look at these kinds of experiments as like blueprints for what they're going to do next. So like uh, Legend of Zelda, uh, A Link Between Worlds was very much a blueprint for what became Breath of the Wild. Um, I, I think it's like not a not a uh, big question mark floating in the air to say that uh, the 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 wild area in Pokemon Sword and Shield is probably going to become a bigger thing down the road in the next uh, larger iteration of Pokemon. And this feels like them really just experimenting with what Mario can become for maybe like an Odyssey 2 or whatever comes next. But also feels like a kind of from at least from the reviews that I've read, a more like fully featured uh, almost like single game experience like it feels kind of like meaty by itself is that is that correct would you say that this yeah. is like a full experience that that that's definitely true uh, honestly i'm like mixed on whether i want this to be the future of mario or not because mm. <laughs> it almost feels like odyssey is one branch and that this would be the 3d world branch like that you know that kind of mario that has more of uh i don't know how to describe it other than like old school feel it's not about like kind of solving things it's just about platforming um yeah yeah and it has that the other thing that i would say about it if you told me that this was developed by bandai namco i would a hundred percent believe you and i don't <laughs> mean that in a negative way i mean it in with the switch nintendo has just wanted to get more games out faster so they've partnered with outside studios in a way they haven't before and those games have been good but it's kind of like um like how animation works when it switched over to overseas studios which that's not a bad thing it was just like oh there was like kind of uh, a certain like translation of it of hey we want you to fill in the gaps this way but we can't really tell you much more than that so there's just something about it that feels not like any other mario game yeah. and i i don't know it, it's almost hard to put words to but i think while you're playing it there's an imprecision to it and kind of a messiness again not in a bad way but just in a way that's like oh if you have that cliche image of like Miyamoto walking through the corridors of Nintendo and being like you call that a jump and like swatting somebody (laughs) in the back of the head with like a fly swatter it doesn't have that feeling to it that's interesting yeah one of the things that I find really fascinating about Bowser's Fury is just it kind of feels antithetical to what 3D World kind of is and like the reasons that I like 3D World in general which are just like one of the things I always appreciate about Mario is this like very quick hit. It, it's like this mastery of we're going to throw a mechanic at you and then you're going to master it and we're going to really test you and your ability to use that mechanic and then immediately ditch it forever. And you'll just like think about it and dream about it and wish that it would show up again, but it never will. And and uh, they just want they leave you wanting more. 
Um, that's, I think, one of the like real strengths of 3D World is like, I think never before have you had that in a 3D version of Mario and like a 3D platformer version where you're just kind of getting those hits that quickly. Um, plus, you add the chaos of multiplayer, which is just like a, a, a never ending joy. But <laughs> Bowser's Fury just feels like this kind of like rebuke of that in a way that I wasn't expecting and doesn't feel like it should be attached to 3D World. It feels like it should be DLC for Odyssey. Like it feels like it makes more sense to be Odyssey DLC. Yeah. When when you play it, you you haven't played it yet, right? Not yet, no. Okay, so I think when you play it, it'll make more sense. Mm. It feels it feels like 3D World. It feels like 3D World if you actually had full control of the camera. Like it doesn't feel like Odyssey really whatsoever. Interesting. Um, it's it it's yeah. I I I don't know a good way of describing it. It because it, because again, it, it's so hard to. I I think I got this cut out of that review by um Maddie when she was editing it, which was a, the right thing to do. Um, but I I was talking about how discussing Mario games at this point is like being the asshole talking about wines where you're like, no, you don't understand. This Pinot has a tanniness that you will never appreciate, but you have to taste it. And and that's it is very similar with Mario where you're like, no, 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 no. You 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 couldn't possibly understand the butt stomp is just mmm. It just he pounds the ground. Um but but it's true. There there is this like it really does bring out this snobbiness when you start talking about the refinements of these games. Yeah, I think there are also kind of microcosms. Like Brandon, you said earlier that you can never predict what Nintendo's going to do. I think like as predictable as it is that there's going to be a new Mario game, they also have like constantly taken big risks with this form with this franchise. Yeah, um, like Odyssey alone. I mean. I'll never forget when I first saw the image of like Mario alongside real humans. And then there's like, <laughs> like a dark souls esque dragon you fight later on. <laughs> and that was also the first, th- I, I love Odyssey is my favorite personally. I definitely understand. Like I love 3d world as well. And I think Chris, you said it beautifully where like one is like a super cut of like, here is the best of so far. And here's the next path. Potentially. I think that Odyssey was the first 3d game to like narratively explore <laughs> the characters in a way that like no one, asked for like just seeing <laughs> it end with peach rejecting bowser and mario and they're just like alone on the moon together was like the best thing i've ever seen like i i just love that like they chose to have that at all it's so bizarre <laughs> you know i i have to tell you because I, I i told you this before we started recording i was listening to your most recent episode before this and i was like i'm gonna get in the moon i'm gonna get in the, in the, in the moon you know and i'm i was a little worried about coming on because your takes They've gotten hotter lately. Okay. They've gotten a little, oh. maybe a little too spicy. Like, like, I don't know if I can be associated with you spicy. Because when you were talking about Nintendo, you said three, in, in about five minutes, you said uh, three controversial things. You said uh, <laughs> Mario RPGs. You said Mario RPGs are like Coldplay. And I was no, like, Brendan mm, said okay. that. That was not me. And then, and then, and then Stephen, you said, uh, I've only played the beginning of Earthbound, which might be the most dangerous thing to say publicly on online. I think you're right. I, I take then, full responsibility for that. Brendan did an impersonation of Toad, except for now he's like into reverse vor. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, I don't know, man. I don't know about these Nintendo takes. They're like, they're getting, <laughs> you know, I, I liked into the Aether back when it was a low key podcast, right. you know, 
for friends. I mean, I think all of that is because we took a week off and it was just a lot of uh-huh. pent up takes <laughs> that like, came out the wrong sure, way, sure, I think. Sure. We like shook up a bottle of soda then put it in the fridge and then opened it. That's our secret um, though. We, we, we're we only a low-key video game podcast in name. That That's really it. Uh, sure, sure. Um, <laughs> then comes out all that reverse cannibalism stuff and <laughs> that, that gets popping. Toad is just such like a bizarre figure. I, I feel like that is kind of like our, our winter soldier activation words is like just mentioning toad in any capacity at all <laughs> just send steven and i down this rabbit hole of like what's up with that guy <laughs> yeah what's the deal with toad? yeah i uh i want to specify that i didn't only play the beginning of earthbound out of disinterest it is for whatever reason oh, did sure, not sure, have sure, the sure, ability sure. to after what but you know i appreciate the, the constructive feedback <laughs> I do want I, I actually just mentioned this on on Good Morning Video Games this morning, but like I just desperately want I am finding any avenue to say that I want Earthbound on the Nintendo Switch. Like any any way and place and shape and form that I can like will that into existence, I will try my best. I just really want to play can that get on the Switch. It on the new 3DS, but only the new one, which came out, you know, five years ago. Yeah, it's available on only the new 3DS or the Wii U are the two places that you can legally buy it. <laughs> It's great. Yeah. I mean, is there a more Nintendo thing than that that level of troll? That is, I love that. That's that's like kind of like poetry, you know. It's like the prequels, that's yeah. A, right. It's like the prequels. <laughs> that is the cosmic opposite of uh, RP, Mario RPGs are like Coldplay. <laughs> well, I'll start. I'll start drafting my apology for uh, comparing Mario RPGs to Coldplay. <laughs> But at least I didn't pick Creed. It's kind of um, like Nickelback, where like everyone, you know. Yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> it's like poetry. Uh, it's like poetry. That you're probably- <laughs> okay, I think we're done talking about Super Mario 3D World, huh? I think we, we, we've we closed the book on this one, huh? <laughs> I mean, look, you're Mario and you can dress up as a cat. Yeah. Like, it's called Bowser's Furry. Like, yeah. Sexy. The cat suits are great. I also really like B Mario from Galaxy. That was one of my favorite costumes. Oh, B Mario is so good. He's kind of like Coldplay, where like <laughs> as soon as he flaps his wings, you hear the clock's piano. I was just, I was, <laughs> Steven, you took the words right out of my mouth, which is horrifying <laughs> that you took those words out of my mouth. <laughs> we spent a lot of time together. I get your takes. <laughs> All right, let's take a break and then we'll come let's back. Take it, let's reset. We'll talk let's, about the reason we're here. Let's let's drink some milk and get the spicy takes out of our mouth. <laughs> it's like hot ones. What's that All guy's right. name? <laughs> Chris Martin. Uh, oh, I was thinking of the hot ones guy, Sean Evans. Oh, Sean I thought we were talking about Coldplay. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Talk to you soon, dear listener. <laughs> <laughs> It's like Coldplay. <laughs> sorry, I can't stop. <laughs> oh, sorry, Brendan. Uh, no, it's it's okay. Hey, I've been uh, people have been making fun of me for liking Coldplay my whole life. <laughs> I'm used to it. There's nothing wrong with liking Coldplay. You're allowed to like Coldplay, except for that music video where they turn into to monkeys. That was like yeah. There, there actually, there's an era of Coldplay where it became bad again. I think bad in the way that people always <laughs> thought it was bad, you know. Is this in the episode? Because it should be. It can be. This can be a break. <laughs> Whatever. I'll, I'll say it. I'm not afraid. <laughs> come at me, Guy Berryman. <laughs> we have to come back on that thought. Welcome <laughs> back, dear listener. We're back, dear listener. Talking about Coldplay and Hideo Kojima's masterwork, Death Stranding, for the PlayStation 4 and PC. 
Ah, yeah, that's right. Uh, y'all, yeah, I listened. I, I I listened to the episode that y'all did before. Really, really show my fan card tonight. I'm a, <laughs> a pretty big fan. Uh, I listened to Thank the episode you. that you did of this, and I was like, okay, I don't want to step on these points, but here's the problem. I don't remember exactly which points you made, not because they were bad points, but because the second you put something close to this game, it becomes a hallucination. (laughs) (laughs) There's no way to participate in it without becoming part of it, which is... (laughs) Um, a problem. Yeah. So I apologize to any anybody listening to this episode who's like, uh, actually, at hour one uh, minute twenty eight, we talked about this already. Um, My guy, we I'm did sorry. we did a bonus episode about Thirteen Sentinels, which is like the most half remembered dream like <laughs> thing I think Stephen and I have it's ever great. done. It's yeah. great. Uh, yeah. we, we, we've gotten a couple tweets that are like, you got this wrong. It's like, buddy, we played that game four months before we recorded the episode. <laughs> uh, can we talk about how one of those tweets was a DM from me being like, uh, I actually don't think it's a simulation the way you do. <laughs> so that was an engaging conversation, knows. Chris. That was very nice. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, so Death Stranding, you you just played recently, and weirdly enough, I I heard um I heard you talking about it a little bit on the besties. You picked up Death Stranding around now for the exact same reason that I picked up Death Stranding, which is I just like really wanted a big open world game to just kind of like lose myself in during the dearth of winter just because like i knew i mean you know seasonal depression that's a real thing uh and i combat it in different ways every year and usually it's just like absorbing akira toriyama's art via dragon ball z just non-stop <laughs> in every waking moment that i have um but i am now out of dragon ball material to watch so i thought i should probably play a video game and it was between red dead redemption 2 and death stranding and i picked death oh. stranding you made the right choice, my friend. I think <laughs> so, too. Is, wow. Yeah. Two very different games in, in practically every imaginable way. <laughs> uh, other than that you spend a lot of time climbing a mountain in both, mm. um, except for one <laughs> makes it fun. Um, <laughs> Death Stranding. Death Stranding is the one that makes it fun. Uh, yeah, thank you for having me on to talk about this, because here's the thing. And I emailed you this about it. I was like... What does it mean if I only come on to your show to talk about what I think is the best game ever, but then I just keep changing it <laughs> every time I'm on? Um, because we talked about Nier and Spelunky last time, yeah. and this is definitely like, I similar to Nier, one of those games that just immediately was a top five game. Just it, it wasn't even close to over, and I was like, I already know this is one of my favorite games ever. Yeah. And, like, and it could do... A lot wrong by me which it did um yeah. and that would be okay because it's already the right game at the right time for me and that that tends to be kind of my metric for what games enter that meaningless you know room of greatness but yeah i i just had to i, I it was like a magnetic pull this game i i played a little bit of it when it came out in 2019 and was like yeah i i get it and then the cutscenes started and i was like yeah i'm sure the rest of this is pretty cool turns out the game's pretty different once you get past the cutscenes. <laughs> um and then this time i was like i am depressed the pandemic sucks this is clearly a game about the pandemic i need to play it now and this will probably make me more depressed but I need, I need, I like need to do it because if I, if not now, then when? And then I played it, and Im- immediately I was like, I feel so good. <laughs> like this is, yeah. this is the cure. Like this is a very temporary cure 
for the for the shit. And here is a game that is about I want to say the positives of this moment, but like what there is to gain, why we keep going, why there is like a certain genuine genuineness in the way we connect during this period of time. I think like we've spent so much time dunking on social media that even we, we we've lost the, you know, like coffee shop connections and social media has had to replace it in a way it maybe wasn't prepared for. Yeah. But I think this game gets into that for and gets into like the bad part of that, too. I mean, this game. Wow. What a what a pendulum swing it has in terms of its feelings about the Internet. Um <laughs> But I think ultimately it it believes, and I saw, I'm sorry that we're getting so conceptual about this game so early. Oh, I promise to bring it back great. down to earth very quickly. But it, it fundamentally believes that we as people should progress and we should create things like the internet and we should participate in them despite knowing that they will destroy us because we're all doomed anyway. Like that, you know, the heat death of the universe is coming for us no matter what. So like while we're here, let's take some big swings knowing that they can cause irreparable harm, but knowing that they can also, like, make life better for more people. And, like, holy shit, they put that in a video game. Like, what? (laughs) They put that in a video game. Like, it's hard to, to, like, oversell that they put that in a video game um, and that that is exceptional and special and brilliant. And now we can spend the rest of the episode talking about all the dumb shit that happened. Chugging <laughs> <laughs> um, um, monster energy. Yeah, I, I do. I do definitely want to uh, double down on your point that uh, the the episode before uh, we talked about Death Stranding, the episode before I started playing Death Stranding, like really in earnest, we we did a bonus episode about uh, Dragon Quest Eleven S um, and and a regular episode about it, which I had on that episode said this is maybe my favorite game of all time, and then immediately started playing Death. Stranding, and I was like, I'm gonna look like such a fucking idiot. I'm so dumb. I can't believe this is my new favorite. You can love more than once. That's true. Hey, friends. that's true. It's a great point. So true. Um, so true. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I, I immediately like fell head over heels for this game in a way that I absolutely did not. When I also, I mean, Stephen and I, it was the first time that we had ever picked up a game that we didn't actively want to play for the podcast. Was yeah. when Death Stranding launched. It, it, I remember like, because, you know, we, we've said many times like we're not beholden to the release schedule in any way. But like that seemed like such a cosmic event that we're like, we have to see what the hell this yeah. is. And yeah. also like we entered it. I think it helped that we entered that game with like little to no expectation. And also like Brendan and I don't have much experience at all with Metal Gear either. So yeah. we were really like. A complete blank canvas and i also loved it i haven't played as much of it to know like where it lands for me but i definitely have said many times that i think in conversations going back to like what is the next step for a established franchise i think that this game's approach at an open world game is like one of the more fascinating and like a post breath of the wild world where especially in the way it utilizes the internet for the player and you know being able to like create these things that help you that might help someone else it's like kind of uh, you know the equivalent i guess would be like the dark souls tips you can leave around but like i think that the the genuine like physical relief I got as a player when someone just like threw a ladder over a river and I was like, thank Christ. I'm like, my boots are gone. I'm just walking on like bloody calluses. BB's crying. A whale is in the distance. I gotta get the fuck out of here. And like, I think um, what I also loved about it, like mechanically was that, you know, it's always, I feel like in a lot of discussions it's pitched as this like very abstract, like high con and it, it is in a lot of ways, but I think the, the core mechanic of the game is like very simple. And I think it, it yes. feels more, 
more familiar than than it, you think it would. Um, and I also love when like suddenly it becomes Metal Gear. You know, like when when the uh, uh, what are the the mules, mm-hmm. the the like humans that steal your stuff. Um, I mean, it, it becomes Metal Gear in the sense that it suddenly becomes like a stealth action game, and you realize that like that is always at the game's potential. But both the story and the characters in the game like want you to not do that. They're like, no, 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 focus on the connections between these characters and like actually helping people yeah. and not like the weapons that randomly show up in a dream that like are like, cool, you're in World War II, man. I mean, the, a moment that stands out for me is the first boss fight with Higgs where I think he says out loud, like, okay, I know you've been waiting for this. Like, aren't you bored of doing delivery? Something like that. Where mm-hmm. he, it feels yeah. like Kojima being like, are you bored of my cool game that's not about killing things? Here's a here's a big whale to fight. Uh, have fun. And I thought that that, like, interrogation of mechanics we, like, default to was really well done. I think that, like, obviously the cutscenes are hit or miss as you go through it, but, like, the bulk of the story landed for me, and I think it's because of the concepts you already kind of brought to the table, Chris. I think it, I think it's a wonderful game. Also, you you said uh, that you, neither of you played a lot of Metal Gear, right? Correct. Yeah, very little of Snake Eater, but I've been meaning to... Uh, that's another Earthbound take where like, I started it, and oops, sorry. <laughs> so yeah. after dunking on Breath of the Wild and Mario Odyssey, I'll say more things that will just destroy <laughs> my name. It's like Metal Gear, um, but fun is is the twist, and, and that's not true. For Metal Gear Solid Five is actually fantastic; it rules. Yeah. Um, that was when you could do my guess, like finally, like was allowed to make fun games, and then uh, Konami was like, "Wait, you made a fun game," and they're like, "Get out of here!" <laughs> and <laughs> done. Now go on and make fun games somewhere else. But yeah, I I, I think what frustrates me about the conversation around this game. And this happens this happens a lot with a kind of criticism around video games. And it's not inherently bad, but I think it stems from people wanting games to be important. Is they start talking about the work, right? Like like as if it's a novel. You know, it's like, oh, it's important, but you're gonna have to push through and you know, it's it's actually really boring. All you do is walk. And it's <laughs> like it's like Metal Gear, but it's just the stealth parts. And when you actually play the game, it is super fun like yeah super 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 fun it really um, is to the point where i so i i i don't know if we've talked about this i do most of my game time on a uh, uh indoor bike and a stationary bike and why i put this off was i was like well this is a game i definitely can't play on that because it's boring <laughs> and you need exciting games when you're on a stationary bike um so nope scratch that and then finally i was like well i'm just not gonna have time to play it so i'm just gonna have to muscle through this and, and figure it out and turns out this is the perfect game to play on a stationary bike because if you are playing a game that is about the like literal physical taxing of moving across <laughs> difficult terrain and then you just keep changing your gears on a stationary bike feels pretty pretty cool feels pretty one to one um there's a, there's a weird thing about ending like a a, a session an hour an hour or two session of death stranding ending like literally physically burnt out it it just was kind of like a, a wonderful cool feeling and the game was able to keep my attention through all of that because first and foremost this game is just fun like it's just a fun mechanic it is very pleasurable to climb things in this game and slowly unlock these abilities abilities i mean tools like you know new suits that make you more powerful or little uh floating pads that follow behind you or new vehicles or ladders or any of this stuff and and to just get it from point a to point b it's just a great mechanic and i think what maybe threw people off when it came out was it's a new mechanic 
it leaves for triple a games and yeah, like yeah. how wildly jarring you know like when you play triple a games and like even the like experimental stuff is like well it's dark souls and you still swing a sword but now you dodge like whoa <laughs> calm down <laughs> like that's too much for me and uh it, it's funny because when this game got announced you know Kojima got a lot of shit for being like, oh, it's a new genre. It's a strand game. And it's like, well, mm, I don't know about strand games, but the mechanic that you built is new, effectively, for, for AAA. And that, that is like a fair thing to say. It, it just it takes a lot, I think, for people when you're invested in playing the same type of games over and over to get enthusiastic about something like this. Yeah, I, I wonder, I mean, the, the way I think about this game is it's just like, okay, I picked a profession out of a hat and I decided what mechanics actually make sense for that, where I think in a lot of instances, it's a you almost have a reversal of that. It's like, okay, what established game mechanics do we know of that we can apply to this profession that this character is going to be? Um, th- yeah. This, yeah. this game is like, we're, we're going to say that this person is a delivery man and we need to build an entire game around that. So, of course the left trigger pulls on your left backpack strap and the right trigger pulls on your right backpack strap. I actually just, I thought of, you know, when we were talking about Red Dead 2 very briefly, like in conversations about like Death Stranding against all odds being like the big AAA game that comes out at the end of the year. I feel like my time with Red Dead 2, while I enjoyed elements of it, I described that game as if like a DM made a rule for absolutely everything and like uh, didn't allow you to play the game because they're like, yes. uh-uh, you got to roll for stepping in your shoes. And it's like, <laughs> can I just walk? Why do I have to roll to take a step? Uh, and that game, you know, I, I think what held it back for me was that it was, you know, while very ambitious, it was so overstuffed with limitations where, like you just said, Brendan, like you could you could think that with Death Stranding with like how detailed the logistics are of the packages and like the balancing and walking. But it's so laser focused on that. Right. That they're only using the rules that aid the fun. They're not they're not throwing in things because it's cool or you can say on the box like you can clean your gun before you fire it. It's like I don't care about cleaning my gun. Yeah. Why is that in yeah. the game? I'll never stop talking about cleaning the gun. That was like where I'd shoot the line <laughs> in Red Dead 2. But anyway, I just I wanted to bring that up because I think it's actually interesting to compare the two. Uh, uh, two thoughts. One, I like that your DM is uh, the dude from Seinfeld and Jurassic Park. Exactly. And, and two, I, I think you're spot on with the... Kojima almost does himself a disservice. What a, what an understatement for all of his games, um, <laughs> but uh, of making things seem complicated when they're not. Yeah. So uh, you know when you you know you press left trigger and right trigger to hold your stuff. The truth is you mostly just hold both down most of the time. Right. The whole time, yeah. <laughs> uh, and on rare occasions you have to kind of like shift. You know that you can balance your weight, but there's a button that's just auto balance, and I I imagine every player in history just hits auto balance i i don't know why you wouldn't and it's just taken care of like the game it's it's so generous and how like it puts complicated things in front of you and it's almost like the difficulty of the game is always at an eight but it has your skill level at a 10 
So it's like, that's pretty tough, but don't worry. We've given you everything you need and a little bit more Mm -hmm. so that it'll never be too stressful. Yeah, I do remember early on, like in my first attempts at playing this game, I I think I had a lot of negative stuff to say about the UI and how overcomplicated it really felt. Um, And there was something about this playthrough where I just had like the actual Matrix moment where I was like, oh, wait, I totally understand what's happening here. Like once you really (laughs) sit there and think about it for like 45 seconds, you literally never have to think about it again because it's all second nature because as you just said steven it just it all serves the overall mechanic it serves the overall idea so clearly it really is laser focused it seems like he just took a hundred things and threw them at the wall that is not the case at all if if i had to guess i imagine they removed more things than they left in i mean that's game development so yeah that's definitely how that worked it's also like all meaningless <laughs> and by that i mean it's like um <laughs> if you, it's like if you go like a, a while without reading a novel and and then you read a novel and like every time they mention a character, you're like, oh, I got to take a minute and remember that name because yeah. surely that character matters. And then it's like, no, none of these people matter. Like they're just people in the background. There's three main characters. They're the only people you need to worry about. There's a lot of that in this game where like you complete a mission and it shows you like four screens with all these different points on it. They mean nothing. These screens are <laughs> truly meaningless. There's a fast forward button on most of them. <laughs> yes. But, but the first time you play it, you're like, oh, shit, well, why do, I, do I, I better get the good score on that? And I got to get the, oh, I got an A this time, but I got an S. What does that mean? And then, you know, I don't know about you, but like the second time I played it, there was a benefit of going back to the game. I mean, like, oh, yeah, I don't care about that shit. Yes, <laughs> like, absolutely. That's meaningless. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's great. I'm so... Steven, you you're about like halfway through. Is that right? Yeah, I'm I'm like right where you get zip lines and you can build safe rooms. Yeah, (laughs) the game is about to change. Yeah, for real. I uh, I'm really excited to go back. I I wanted to put more time in preparation for today's episode, but I haven't gotten around to it. But I definitely want to see it through. At the point that you're at in the game, Steven, it it stops being I'm walking from point A to point B and it's I'm looking out for zip lines. Like (laughs) I'm just trying to find the closest zip line. That makes sense. It's like the mountain region, basically. Like I'm in Colorado, essentially. Yeah. So, I mean... I think I remember from from when y'all talked about this, Brendan. Were you you were about at this point when you recorded the show? Is that right? Yeah, I I, I should probably mention that um, what followed the recording of that episode was my partner went went for, went away for three days, and I streamed this game morning to night for three <laughs> straight days until I was done with it. Uh, and I really just like slept and then got up and then kept playing it, which I've never done before. A as like a person who streams video games, I don't recommend it. What a horrifying thing to do. Uh, <laughs> But B, I am so glad that I gave myself that time. I feel like I've heard this a lot with people who love Kojima games is like you're always going to have the one sleepless night towards the end where you just like need to see it through. And I pretty much just did that for three days. Uh, and and, and I, I think it was a great way to experience the game because I couldn't think of anything but Death Stranding. I was Sam Porter Bridges for three days. Yes. Well, I mean, so the point that, Stephen, that you're at right now, at least for me, was when you go Super Saiyan or you become one with the Matrix. <laughs> because Very up cool. until that point, you are a dude who hikes. And yeah. like and it is purposefully slow and you benefit from the kindness of strangers, which, just to catch people up, the game is Dark Souls but nice, which is not Dark Souls. Um, <laughs> but everything that you do in the world benefits people so you you know you put up ladders you put all these hiking materials out you put you know strands or like rope lines 
And that helps people. And up until about the point that you're at, which is around the halfway point, you're mostly benefiting from the kindness of others. And then after that, you become the person who is helping other people. You, yeah. you kind of have everything you need and you have an excess of it and you know how to get more than you actually need. So you start leaving the stuff behind. You start building the highway, which is like the ability it's to... Unreal go from the beginning to the end at I mean it just requires tons and tons and tons of resources and you get the zip line which Brendan mentioned and the funniest thing about the zip line is you get hit you're like man I'm going to just completely dominate now that I have this thing like game is over I can the way the zip line works is it goes up and down so you can just zip wherever you want over vast amounts of uh, of real estate and then immediately they're like hey cool zip line uh we need you to climb this mountain and they're like, sorry, what? And they're like, yeah, yeah, uh, it, it's a giant mountain and uh, it's straight up. And also you're effectively going to freeze to death on it. Um, also, it's covered in uh, giant ghosts and they're going to kill you. <laughs> and you're like, wait, what about my zip line? And they're like, yeah, go fuck yourself. Yeah, you can't use it. Yeah. <laughs> that's, how I, that's how we feel about your zip line. Yeah. Um, and the, the great thing about the zip line at that point is, you know, you've been building all these things. There's no way to build on this. So as you're making your way up this mountain, you're like, well, I've made it this far and I'm not dead yet. I'm going to pop a zip line just in case I can ever go back down to see my family again. (laughs) (laughs) And then eventually you get to the top and you've made this ribbon of zip lines back down to the bottom. And then you go down to the bottom just to do it because you can. And then you go all the way back to the top and it's taking you two seconds to go both ways. And you're like, I'm a god now. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I, I own this mountain. The mountain is mine now. I like I have literally conquered this mountain. This mountain that was the most dangerous part of the game is mine now. And its challenges mean nothing to me. As I zip on the zip line, I literally hear the ghosts beneath me crying to eat my flesh. But they will get no taste <laughs> because I am I am their god. <laughs> and that I mean people talk about power fantasies in video games. No game has a power fantasy. None. Zero. I will say it definitively. No game has a power fantasy that rivals this one. You truly feel like you own this world by the end of it. That you I think are, it's because you, have, you earn it, right? You I, earn it. Well, yeah, you don't climb a tower and then unlock the corner right. of the map. Yeah, like you, you never, you didn't pick this game up to get the power fantasy of becoming the ultimate delivery man. Like that wasn't like, that's nobody's <laughs> power fantasy. The only reason that that feels like a power fantasy is because it sucks so bad for so long. It's yes. so difficult and it, it's horrible. And you're just like amazed that Kojima has blessed you with the ability to put a zip line up that, that it comes so out of left field that a zip line could even exist that when it happens, it's miraculous. I felt the same way about the, uh, the ability, to build private rooms when you can start oh, yeah you can start building private rooms and garages wherever you want uh that that was like a game changer for me that was like a, oh my god i can pick up all this stuff and then just put down a private room and then just like <laughs> sleep for a night and then come back and like <laughs> sam feels good again ridiculous for people who haven't played the game private rooms are also where you uh, shower piss and shit and all three of those create grenades which <laughs> on, on ghosts ghosts you you throw your poop at them but i but honestly i don't use any of them i only throw my blood at them yeah because did you ever try throwing the poop grenades i did it was fine the, the ghosts just kind of shimmy they don't they don't they even go pissed. away they just kind of shimmy around They're like oh this sucks <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> they start blasting all of Dookie by Green Day. Um, it's real dance time. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, the bass from Longview starts playing when I throw my shit grenade. Uh, unbelievable. It's it's the best game. Should we talk about the story and the cutscenes? Yeah, because they're a thing. I I mean, for, I, I'm curious how you all feel. For me, the game itself is perfect. Like the 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 when I say the game, I mean the like you are a delivery person who needs to go from New York to Los Angeles effectively building the internet along the way because yeah. the, the, <laughs> uh, the United States has fallen apart and you need to connect them so that they have shared knowledge to survive this invisible virus attack well, on the nose. And, and doing that is you gradually learning how to become a better delivery person and build the tools and build a highway and all that stuff. That stuff is fantastic. And the metaphor alone for it for this moment, uh, again, because there is this invisible thing that is threatening everyone's lives. Everyone is quarantined in their house and needs you to like bring them pizza and like dirty magazines and their favorite movies. Um, it's, I mean, again, it's just a pretty on the nose um, yeah. for the moment. But then the cutscenes are like, much more Metal Gear, Kojima, I have ideas about America, which I will spoil the a, a thing that happens at the very end of the game. Your mother slash sister slash neither of those slash the actual seed of death um, <laughs> turns to you. Wait, no, it's not. Maybe is it her? It might not even be her. It might be somebody else. I can't even remember. Somebody turns to you and says, actually... My name is not my name. My real name is Amerigo after Amerigo Vespucci. Yes. <laughs> and it's like, shut the fuck up. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think like if you ask my feelings on the cutscenes, I actually was way more into it in the very beginning, weirdly, which like I thought that the the cutscenes in like the first couple hours of the game, notably with less dialogue, I thought were more effective. Um, yes. I just thought that they were like really strikingly weird. And I, I liked the kind of the visual stuff going on. Like I liked seeing the scene where at the time, your mom, who is president, yes, uh, is like kind of tethered to like a bunch of different medical cables. And then she starts crawling after you like the same way the BTs crawl. Yeah. So like, I liked that kind of stuff. And I liked um, I, I liked the setup of it. I liked the first scene with, with Fragile. But yeah, I think like when you get into the like scenes where they explain what a metaphor is, it's like, come on, like, this is completely diffusing the moment. Yeah. Um, there, so yeah, I'm more hit or miss on them. There are some moments, I think, all over the place just kind of like spotted through out that are really the moments that like just rip you completely out of the video game um i, I mean the the most famous one that everybody talks about is uh th there's a scene where it's you and you believe to be your sister at that point um are, are hanging out on a beach and uh she she compares herself to princess peach she's like yeah you came and found me you're mario and i'm princess peach uh, and then you have like a whole conversation it's like oh, that was a weird reference to make and then at the end of that they're like she she turns to you and she goes okay now if we want to get off the beach we have to run in one direction just pick a direction like mario and princess beach and then what follows is like straight up an ad for claritin clear where it's like slow motion <laughs> 
Sam and his sister are running down the beach together in slow-mo. They both have these like really kind of, it's like the, the most uncanny Valley moment in the whole game. I think with these like big, bright smiles. Uh, and it's just horrible. It's like maybe the worst <laughs> moment I've ever seen in a piece of media ever. And I'm so bummed that it's in this game. I, Agree. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't know. I love way. clocks. <laughs> I love Coldplay. Um, I, I, I agree. I will say, I will I'll say, I'll say I agree, but with a caveat, which is Kojima gets a lot of shit about being obsessed with film, right? It's like, man, this guy just wants to make a movie, you know? He's he's always talking with the famous actors in Hollywood, and all of his friends are big name movie directors because you know Guillermo del Toro is a body in this game. Yeah, it's not his voice, but his body is in it, right? Um, yeah. And the director of Drive is one of the bodies in this as mm-hmm. part man. But, okay, so I think this game finally, like, helped me understand why he's brilliant while also being a disaster. And that is he is making video games in conversation with the history of video games. And I think that is, like, a sadly audacious idea that that should happen more often. It's something that, you know, like, happens in film all the time. You know, like, Scorsese and Spike Lee are perfect examples of directors. You know, Spike Lee, you know... It directly cribs from Night of the Hunter. Scorsese puts, uh, you know, early 1920s or 20s or 30s filmmaking in Hugo. Like, they literally engage with the films that they are talking about. I, I, I was on Netflix the other day and, like, the, the imagery Goodfellas, that German expressionist shot of, like, them... Uh, burying the body and there's like red light on them yeah it's like wacky shadows so like when you watch these movies you are engaging the entire history of this medium that you love right what i find so frustrating about video games is you play video games and they're like ah you know what you love movies and you're like no i actually i love video games like <laughs> that that's why i'm playing this and like no 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 you love movies and then you i'm, I'm sorry i'm gonna trash on last of us too but the ending of Last of Us 2 is this perfect example of, like, movies. You love movies. You <laughs> love movies. These are two women punching each other in the water, and you love movies. How much does this feel like movies? And you're like, yo, this is just straight up a quick time event. Like, I don't know what's happening. I don't just, like, why are we wide or why are we so deep in this cinematic obsession? Death Stranding, in its literally most serious moment the most serious moment of the video game is like hey uh these two people they're on a beach and they're fighting each other in water you know what that looks like kind of looks like street fighter let's get some health bars on the screen (laughs) let's get you know uh this we're just gonna let this be a street fighter reference and that shouldn't work you would think but it does it didn't like it was silly and funny and it reminded me of video games and yet when the scene ended i was like fuck i'm like spent like that really took it out of me like this is like a this is sad yeah (laughs) what i'm watching is like still sad and i think i think we kind of miss the referentialness of scorsese is inherently silly like Goodfellas is funny and in, in, in its obsession with referencing old films. But now it's like we just assume it to be like, I don't know, a serious artistic decision. And I think when Kojima does this, sometimes it's a it's a big old whiff. Like 
Mario and Princess Beach. Yeah. <laughs> but then there are other times where he he makes these things that I think I think we're kind of like quick to be like, oh, there's Kojima again. When in reality, it's like, man, if, if you let yourself feel it, this is kind of inspired. Like he is taking these things that a language that we understand and using them to help us get to a place emotionally that tracks. Yeah. And like. I just, I wish more, more people were able to do that without feeling like, oh, well, this is like winky and satire and we're making fun of it. Like instead just being like, no, this is actually, this is our history. It's a shared history and we should celebrate it in the context of this emotional moment in our video game. Sorry, that's a, a diatribe, but no, like, I'm it, so with you. really stuck with me. No, it reminds me a lot of Hotline Miami in a way, right? Like, I think for a long time, Hotline Miami was like the thing that people pointed to was like, wow, this is a game that's like really referencing video games in like a meaningful way. And like the meaningful way in retrospect was just like, oh yeah, murdering is bad, huh? Like, okay, well, that's maybe <laughs> not like the, the hottest take. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you played Spec Ops The Line, but you shouldn't put white phosphorus on people. Exactly. Um, exactly. Oh my God. Uh, sorry. I just, I just remembered where that game goes. Um, anyway, so I, 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 I'm so with you. I think, I mean, Higgs exists like specifically to reference the fact that you're not playing like a cool action game, you know, over and over again. Steven, you already mentioned that moment right at the beginning, like the first ever boss fight in that game, which is like shocking that there is a boss fight at all in death stranding and and it does lead up to this moment that you're talking about chris which is like <laughs> like straight up street fighter i don't know if you've seen that steven but like it is literally like you see the the faces of sam and higgs you see health bars uh and then you like from the side are punching each other in the face over and over again until one you of you goes down beat the living shit out of each other yeah it's unreal I mean, it is it is just a, i can't believe the last of us two sequence came out after it they're almost identical yeah except wow for the ui overlay i mean it's bizarre how similar they are yeah really strange i think i i really like your point chris though about using homage not as like winky satire but like as genuine kind of artifacts almost like embracing it i think too like the scenes early on when you are on the beach in uh cliff's dreams you know and it's like all world war ii soldiers it becomes call of duty suddenly Mm -hmm. you know and like i think that that feels akin to the Higgs moment that I kind of mentioned earlier where like suddenly you're finding guns and like, even though like if you removed the, the cliff dream and just showed someone that like that feels more akin to most games, but after playing X hours of death stranding and like being pumped that you delivered pizza on a, you know, (laughs) in a truck and that was like a big deal. Uh, like, being given a gun is like what the fuck i don't want this yeah. and like i that that i found myself thinking that a lot where like the more i found lethal weapons and and uh the more the game was like kind of putting me in these very familiar kind of video gamey moments it was like shedding a light on them that wasn't uh deconstructing them but was like giving them kind of like a different feeling and a different power given what comes before and after that. Yeah. And Um, even there's this like, you know, there's a latent kind of anti-war thing happening here, which I I don't know how well that is nailed, I think thematically, but I do think in those moments where you are (laughs) handed a gun and you're in call of duty and you're like, this is disgusting. I don't want any part of this. I want to go back to delivering pizzas. That is the most successful. The anti-war stuff is (laughs) (laughs) like, fuck this. Let me put a zip line up. Thanks. Are are we, are we okay? Split? We're like, this is a full spoilers. Yeah. I we... think, I think I'm probably going to record a, a little bit that'll go at the beginning of this. It's just like spoilers ahoy okay. the whole time. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. So I, I'm going to talk about the 
ending ending yeah because i agree with that and the game is pretty on the nose where it's like do you like the rope or the stick yeah. at the very <laughs> end you talk to your sister mother seed of death and she's like the rope or the stick my boy which do you like you have what you need and you're like the only thing i have is a gun with my blood in it that will kill you and she's like rope or the stick what's it gonna be and you're like I mean, I probably shouldn't shoot you. So, and then it like hands the controls over to you. So I wait. I'm like, I guess I just wait. That's going to be it. And I wait for like five minutes and the world dies. And it's like, you want to try again? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I do. (laughs) So I'm like, I guess I should shoot her in the face. (laughs) Please don't edit that just one line out ever. Um, But so I like shoot her, but then a force field deflects it. And I'm like, oh, well, now I'm fucked. Yeah. So I die again. The world dies again. So I'm like, oh, I bet I know what it is. I run away. So I like run in the different direction. That doesn't do anything. And then I run at her and that doesn't do anything. And finally, I'm like, I'm just going to look at a guide. Like, what does it want me to do? It turns out if you run to her, but then slow walk, you get an option to hug. And, yeah. and then I could like hug. And it was so so frustrating because clearly the whole game has been building up to this decision and like you choosing not to commit violence i was like I, for the first time ever i was wishing that like instead of doing any of that it had just been like press a to hug press b to kill and then i can be like yes hug yeah because i spent 20 minutes trying to figure out <laughs> that i should hug mom yeah that's that's a bummer i mean that that is like yeah the most like uh momentum uh halting moment i think if you if you're able to have an end state on what is supposed to be the thematic climax of of the game yeah i i in that moment so i I guess just for context um and again we're like full spoilers here but in that moment uh your your mother sister uh end of the world deity kind of person uh is essentially just like you have two options here you can either shoot me and end what they call the last stranding which is like the last big extinction event that will wipe out all of humanity like even uh jeff Keeley, who's like in his bunker collecting action figures is, is gone junji ito gone uh everybody who guest appears in this game gone even if they're in a, a, a bunker she's like you can you can uh shoot me and prevent the last stranding or you can let me do this so it's either you can end this knowing that the the next death stranding will come eventually the last stranding will eventually happen and humanity will end or you can take me out and give humanity a couple more years before that happens essentially and in that moment i decided that that she should probably die <laughs> <laughs> I, I, was, I, I was like, man, this is a really heavy choice. I actually, I paused the game for a minute and I, I remember texting uh, you, Steven and, and AJ, our producer. I was like, I don't know what to do here, but I think I have to make a really tough choice. And my choice was like, I think that humanity should have a couple more years to live, maybe. Uh, so I tried shooting her and then it didn't work. Uh, and I was like, oh, egg on my face. Now I'm an asshole. Uh, <laughs> and, and then I and then I ran towards her and got the hug option. So I didn't even see the version where you just let the the last stranding happen. I didn't think that that was even a choice there. Uh, but it's the same as shooting. It yeah. looks the same. Um, That's a bummer. It, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's OK. In the grand scheme of things, it's OK. I. Story-wise, I, I, I think the game just... We, we didn't even talk about what happens after this. There are some great performances in this game, which yeah. is a weird thing because the script is kind of a mess. It, it goes places after the thing that we were talking about, which is hard to imagine, and yet it does. And there are some surprisingly good performances from people who really give it their all Yeah, with some scripting that... 
by that point, the, the a, a problem with this game is the first, I don't know, hour is cutscenes, two hours maybe, and then there's the game. And the game is mostly the game for a long, long time, except for about one hour that you spend locked in a room with the director of Drive, where he keeps <laughs> giving you thumbs up directly to the camera. But otherwise, you largely uh, 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 cinema-free. And then the last three hours is all cutscenes again, which was almost enough to get me not to play the game. But by that point, it had earned a lot of its goodwill, and I did enjoy yeah. sticking with it, even if... Even if it doesn't quite stick the landings in the way that it wants to. And the bits of gameplay that are during that time are so good that it's worth it. It's just, it's so extremely worth it. Uh, Including just the fact that it has you go backwards. Like, that it has you enjoy, for a moment, all of your own hard work. That it tells you, hey, you need to go back from California to New York and just take advantage of everything that you've done along the way. Yeah. And that feels great. Like that, that again, that power fantasy, it is such a kind reward to give to the player to remind them to be able to effectively allow you to play your own speed run. If that make, I don't know. Like, yeah. if that makes no, sense. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, like, it's just this like repeated catharsis over and over. It's just an incredible feeling to be able to just, as you mentioned with, with the mountain segment, after you went up to the mountain and built your zip lines along your way up so you could then zip back down, you feel exactly the same way, but with the entirety of the open world. Um, it's it's just a really wonderful thing. Uh, there, there's a moment, I, I think, when, when it starts raining really hard and a lot of the stuff washes away, which is kind of a bummer, uh, I think, towards the end of that, of that segment. Um, but for most of it, I mean, it is just this, like, really beautiful trek back. Um, and, and that's, I think, one of the things that can't be uh, overstated about this game. It's just like, how gorgeous it is and how how wonderful it feels in the moments that are completely silent where like you're totally good and you're not being attacked by fucking ghosts it's like absolutely incredible and is constantly punctuated by just incredible needle drops uh there's a great soundtrack in this game and every once in a while like they will pick moments just the most glorious (laughs) if then statements and programming ever are like once you uh cross the apex of this mountain we're gonna drop this low roar song on you Ugh, incredible it works that was when i was sold on the game yeah the first time i played it and i think we talked about that exact moment when we like first brought it up because that was like kind of what sealed the deal for me yeah i mean it it works it works every time and and i actually there were two moments that i missed those and i was so bummed because i actually went around where you're supposed to go because i was like trying to carve (laughs) out i was trying to carve out like a different path uh that i just knew would (laughs) avoid ghosts Uh, you took the coldplay mountain by accident (laughs) (laughs) when you go up. Uh, and I, I ended up missing some, some of the needle drops, which is like a real bummer moment. But uh, yeah, I, I'm so with you. I, I, I love that that return journey so much. It really it really felt wonderful. And and it all leads up to the, the last journey that you make, the last package that you have to deliver, quote unquote. Oh, no. Which which is like one of the most beautiful, like heart wrenching scenes, I think, is just that experience of like you have to do your first journey that you did. The first package that you had to deliver in the whole game, you got to do it again. Uh, and, and this time it's for good. 
um, is like really brutal. I guess we can say because we're in the spoiler moment. But you have to take BB, who you've had throughout the entirety of the journey, and you have now uh, decided is named Lou. Um, and you have to take Lou to the incinerator because Lou is like done as as a, a, a bridge baby unit. Um, and after spending eighty to a hundred hours with this baby, that's going to be an upsetting trip. Uh, and you're probably going to walk the whole way. At least I did. I I did not run. I did not take a vehicle or anything. I didn't even. I don't even think they let you take anything with you. I just like slow walked the whole way up and it took like maybe a whole 30 minutes to an hour and it was so worth it the whole time. Really brutal, really brutal moment. Um, but also just the way that it's good. It's a good video game. I can't believe how good this game is. <laughs> Does BB live? You got to tell me. Oh, you don't know. I don't know if BB lives or not. You can't leave oh, me Oh, you this. can't tell you. You need, you need to finish it. Okay. I'll, that will, that will be the thing I experience. Yes. It is, yeah. it's good. I will tell you okay. that it's good. I will tell you that it's a good game with a good ending, and it's good. It's, <laughs> Why does it, it like a trap? <laughs> no, I, 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 I can relate, to Brendan, your reaction is like how I feel. It's a hard game to talk about because it just yeah. feels so good. <laughs> I, I, don't, I, I don't know a better way of saying it. Of like, it's just the game I needed right now, Yeah, and I almost like feel silly getting thinky about it. Because I'm just so grateful for it. I mean, mm. again, like, I don't know if we've gone into the, the specifics of it, but just that feeling of going from, you know, little commune to little commune, you know, quarantine person to quarantine person and getting them on board with joining y- effectively your chat room or your work slack. <laughs> like, hey, <laughs> you seem lonely here. Like, join up. Like, we're just trying to get by together. And they're like, I don't know. And then you do it. And then you get a, a little, you know, more shared knowledge. And that gets you a little further. And gradually people sh- start showing you kind of gratitude. And you actually see other people, other delivery people out and about. That um, fucked me up. The first time I yeah. saw another delivery person. Oh, my God. It, yeah. Yeah, it broke my brain. I was like, do I shoot? Yeah, that's <laughs> like, exactly. I was like, I have a bullet gun. I have a grenade filled with my piss. <laughs> Think fast. <laughs> throw a uh, sir, you there. just covered me in your shit. <laughs> you ruined this pizza. <laughs> I was listening to Low Roar. <laughs> oh my god! Um, did did either of you kill anybody in the game? No, I, I purposely only use the bolo gun, which is like the non-lethal, like they like ties their legs up, right? Yeah. Um, I was I was really curious about it, but I never I never did it because the game really incentivizes you to not. It's it's worth mentioning the opening of the game is like you seeing what happens when a person dies and doesn't get incinerated immediately, which is essentially like a Lovecraftian being uh, arises from that person's body and like sets off what is essentially a nuclear bomb. Uh, so that could happen at any moment that you kill a guy and, and don't incinerate them. Did yeah, you do from it? From what I understand, you, it's called void outs. Yeah. And you, if, if you kill somebody and you don't take care, like dispose of the body, a void out happens and just that entire bit of the map is just permanently destroyed. Like as if a nuclear bomb goes off and it's the shape of like a a giant hand. But I mean, it's effectively the size of a village in the game, maybe larger. And there are many areas across the map that can be just totally destroyed, which. Yikes. Sure. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. I I (laughs) definitely never did it. And despite it giving me many powerful weapons, there was never, ever a reason to do that. I mean, I wasn't even killing BT, the ghost until really near the end of the game like i i mm. 
I just assumed I shouldn't. <laughs> like, it seemed too scary. I felt bad about killing BTs because, ascend- I mean, yeah. in in lore, they're like the souls of people who are like literally, I mean, stranded uh, in the in the in the world of the living uh, and just want to get back. So eventually there was a point where they contextualized the idea that if you are able to cut their umbilical cord and send them back, that's actually like putting them at peace uh, and returning them from whence they came. And that was the moment where I was like, it's blood grenade time, baby. I'm I'm ready for this. <laughs> <laughs> time to send them back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, you get you get these wonderful handcuffs with a with a golden cuff on it that lets you slice the umbilical cord and they get sent back. That was satisfying every time. Um, I also just uh, to think uh, back on our our discussion about the power fantasy moment. I think the the thing that really struck me was when I realized that I was uh, traversing BT areas without using the like ping anymore. I was just using like where the scanner was pointing and the amount of like clicking that it was doing. Yeah. As soon as I realized that I I wasn't pinging anymore, like stopping and pinging, I was just like kind of continuing along with my journey, but just being very careful about where I was stepping. Uh, And every once in a while, slicing an umbilical cord. I was like, (laughs) yeah, this game rips. This is great. I I have become the master of this place. Like the the worst thing about this world I have now overcome, except for every once in a while. I don't know if you saw this. I I didn't realize there were a lot of these, but I only saw like two or three total. There are giant BTs. Did you ever see any of the huge ones? I'm not talking like the boss fights. Like the size, they look like people, but they're giant. Yeah, they're like building size. I think that might be when you cause a void out. I think I, I went. I might be wrong. There was one delivery that I did uh, where I ended up in this one area that was just like more BTs than I had seen any anywhere else. And in the middle of them was a giant dude, a giant BT who was floating around. Uh, and it, oh no! And it took like ten of my blood grenades to take that thing out. Uh, wow! It was wild. It was really wild. And when it died, I got a lot of chiral crystals. Man. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, hey! It didn't die. It transitioned to a better place. Absolutely. Yeah. It was already dead. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I have nothing else to say other than the game is good. Oh, wait, no, I, I have a bad thing to say. Um, hey, one problem with this game, uh, mm. Kojima still doesn't really know how to write women uh, at yeah. all. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's not great. And it's not as bad as it's been in previous games, I will say. But there's a lot of just weirdness. The a, a surprisingly large chunk of the game has to do with a woman who lost her child just before birth, but just before it had gone to term. Yeah. And I don't really know what he's getting at with it. Like, it, it, he, it feels like he's yeah. like trying to get at something about motherly connection with, you know, a, a, you know, a being that you grow inside of you. But it just doesn't seem to yeah. click. Um, I agree. And there, there's yeah, a, totally. a number of things like that where it's not like the the you know like oh he's got another sexy woman. Um, it doesn't have a lot of those issues. It's more like oh he's trying to get at something about an experience of of a mother and and just not quite knowing what that thing is. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I I'm I'm very much with you. It reminds me weirdly enough uh, of Tenet, uh the the most recent Chris Nolan movie <laughs> yeah. where like you yes. have Elizabeth Debicki who is like one of my favorite actors working at the moment and her entire character exists to just be like I'm a mom. Period. Right. That's I mean, it. That's the whole mommy. thing. The whole movie is about how time travel goes backwards and you can go forwards through backwards time travel and Elizabeth Debicki is just like I'm a mom. 
and that's it. And it's such a huge fucking bummer. Uh, and, and that's very much how I felt about about pretty much every female character in this game is like every single one like exists to be a mom. Uh, and, and that that sucks, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. It's unfortunate. Yeah. Mads, though. <laughs> <laughs> now, Mads, we like Mad, Mads on another level in this game. Oof. He did you. I, so, I mean, I guess there's a question for you, Brendan, you know, with, with the ending. Did you like where the Mads Mikkelsen stuff goes? Yeah, I had a hunch that, uh, again, I don't know. I, I should stop saying that there's spoilers. We, are, we already know at this point. Um, I, I had a hunch that Sam was Mads' kid for a while, but I didn't know if the timing worked out there. So I, I had formulated that whole theory and then thrown it out. So when it finally happened, I was shocked again, which was nice. It was a nice feeling. <laughs> Wasn't like, a oh, I saw this coming was like a whoa. So that was good. Uh, I, I kind of a bummer. Um, I, I think that uh, that he just like dies in that hallway. Like that was very sad. <laughs> that was that was like that was really upsetting was like Die Hardman, you know, sticks his neck out for the guy and then he ends up just like getting shot and killed in the hallway. That that it really sucked. But the idea that uh, every time you're sucked into his uh, like Call of Duty reality, he's actually searching for you and not BB-28, uh, I, I think is really nice. Um, and I wonder if playing this game a second time, which like I don't see myself doing for another maybe decade, uh, but <laughs> if, if I ever decide to do it, I do think that a lot of those Mads moments will probably resonate way more. Because in, in the beginning, or not even for the beginning, for pretty much 99% of the game, it's just a big like question mark every time you see him. It's just like, okay, he definitely plays into the story somehow in a more important way than we know yet. Uh, and what is that? And you don't really find out like really until the very end. Yeah. The, o- the only problem with the ending is, um, Steven, can you help me? In 13 Sentinels, <laughs> who is the guy who uh, opens his journal and he's like, actually, this is oh, the story uh, of the Oh, is it Gauto? It's Gauto, is that yeah. His name? Gauto, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. 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 I, there's a little bit of that at the end mm. of the game where it's like, hey, remember those 40 little cutscenes <laughs> that you saw throughout the game? Well, what if I played them again all at yeah. once? And you're like, no, thank you. <laughs> like, just summarize it for me. I saw them the first time. And he's like, no, 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 no. I'll make you watch them all. Again. Yeah, and it again. It's the thing where it's like the game kind of can't help itself from like I really need you to understand. It's this. it's this weird like fluctuating confidence that I think the game has. Right? Is like the the game is so confident. I mean, mechanically, obviously, as we've touched on a lot. Uh, but even from a story perspective, there are so many instances where they just throw things at you and then never again. They're like, you got it the first time. You're good. And then it's those moments where it's like, yeah, we're going to show you all those cutscenes a second time. Yeah, I think the the opening scene where they introduce, like we said earlier, what happens when someone dies, like when they first introduce that and yeah. you first see like a BT drag someone away, it's terrifying. So that like when you do go on that first mission and you have to avoid BTs the first time, like it was really scary. And obviously that lessens as you like learn how to read the the BB prompter, whatever right. it's called. The BBP. Uh, yeah. That's, that's the what applause it is. sign. Yeah. Um, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, uh, uh, uh. Uh, exactly. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> 
but yeah, you're absolutely right. I think the there's a lack of trust in some scenes where it's like, just so you know, a metaphor isn't exactly what it appears to be. It's right. Like, oh God, please. I think even that moment at the beginning that you were just referring to where you get to see a void out for the first time and they very succinctly and, and I think visually, which is a hallmark of a great work in a lot of instances, they very visually, viscerally describe what happens if you let a body necrotize without incinerating it or whatever or disposing of it in some way. Uh, and then the first time you get a gun, Die Hardman calls you on the phone and he's like, Sam, did you know that killing a guy will cause a void out? It's like, yeah, man, I was there for one. <laughs> it was traumatizing. <laughs> I haven't slept in four days, Die Hardman. <laughs> Sam, pizza is a circular bread with sauce and cheese that people enjoy in parties. <laughs> Sam, did you know my name is Heartman because I am a man who has a heart problem that causes the heart to stop? It sounds like you didn't like the heart the Hartman scene. Did you did you were you I actually don't mind the Hartman stuff. I think it was just shocking. Shocking. Yeah. There um, it, is. it was it was jarring for the game to be so much gaminess and then to get to a point where it's like, hey, my name is uh, Phil Hartman <laughs> and you know, like my character's heart stops every I don't know, like 15 minutes and you're like oh okay well the good thing is i know i only have to talk to you for 15 minutes right and then he talks to you for 15 minutes and like well <laughs> that was a lot but thank god that's over and he's like actually can you just wait because i need to talk to you some more and you're like i'm sorry what and he's like i've locked you in this room so i'm gonna die now and you're just gonna look around the room for five minutes and then i'm gonna come back and then i'm probably gonna talk to you for another 15 minutes yeah and it's like who I, I I think there's like a a problem where um you can see the clock. It's like I I don't like movies that have fetch quests in them where they're like, well, you need to get these three things. Mm-hmm. And it's like, cool, wake me up when we get to the third thing because <laughs> I know where, that's where we're heading. Yeah, it, it just felt a little odd. That said, he still can write dudes better than mothers. So like. That character, I understood a little bit better. Yeah. But really, I mean, this the game might as well be called The Leftovers, the sci-fi adaptation, the video game. Because it's really <laughs> just about parents dealing with, like, the loss of family and children. Yeah, yeah. That character included. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, I, I, I personally, I think just at the at the point that I was at, maybe just in my playthrough, like desperately needed to have like an hour of cutscene at that moment was like, oh, this is a really great time for me to like eat dinner. <laughs> uh, but but in general, I, I just thought that the performance of Hartman was was really wonderful. I, I don't know how much uh, how much we can thank Nicholas Winding Refn for that, but uh, I, I like whoever yeah. voiced him at least, and I did appreciate that he kept turning to camera and giving me thumbs up. I do, I do really like. I like that. I think, ta- I think talking about uh, one of the earliest points you brought up about the kind of like reclamation of, of social media as like a thing that we've dunked on for so long, but like maybe it's okay, is is specifically the reclamation of the like symbol, the symbology of like giving a thumbs up to someone else and and what that means. Because the idea of likes go from like so silly early on, where it's like, what do you mean I'm getting likes on my bridge? To like, oh my god, I got fourteen thousand likes on my bridge. <laughs> And it feels wonderful in a way that, like, I don't think it does in real life. Weirdly enough, you know, like you send out a tweet and well, you get... Well, it's because you did something. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like you, exa- you did yeah, something so right. that, you, that was meant to help other people. Yeah. Or 
you know, everything you do on social media is large, largely for yourself, mm. right? Like, it's like, here's my opinion, and I hope you like it. Yeah. Um, which, <laughs> sure, I mean, our opinions are very helpful. Um, <laughs> but not like, oh, hey, I just saved you 20 minutes of this video game by building this highway. Like, right. that that feels like, oh, yeah, people like that. And I, kn- I know... I know how much I appreciated it when people did that for me. So when I get that like, I know that like I made that person's day better. Like literally, that's just, I mean, it's silly, but like their experience of this game is better because of me. Yeah. Receiving a like means that you, you literally actually helped a person. Yeah, totally. Uh, which is not the case on Twitter.com or dot app. <laughs> you're no, you're so right. Yeah. I, I do I do remember reading an article, I think it was in Launcher on the Washington Post, which probably means it was by Gene Park, uh, which was uh, something along the lines of um, Hideo Kojima predicted what social media was going to be. And now Death Stranding is like an answer to his own prediction, which I, I, I think goes into um, a, a kind of like really prescient moment that happens in Metal Gear Solid 2, Sons of Liberty, uh, which is all about how um, eventually this is, you know, what was that, 1999 that that game came out, I think, or... 2000 like you know pre-social media at least six years before twitter.com or dot app existed um and and uh there, there's a bit in that game that is specifically about like when everybody's computer is connected and we can communicate at all times everybody will wear masks constantly and like form their own bubbles and they'll be in their bubbles and like refuse to leave them and that will shape their ideology and their reality and they'll refuse to even consider what's happening outside of the bubbles. And this is in Metal Gear Solid 2 from the late 90s or early 2000s. Shocking. And then, I, I, I don't know, that just feels like such a negative take on what the internet like could possibly bring us, you know, as a thing that was like kind of bubbling up at the time. Um, and I think in that article specifically, he mentions like, this was like right when The Matrix came out. So like, I think everybody just read this moment in Metal Gear Solid 2 was like, here's just another person who wants to have a Matrix on their hands. Yeah. You know, uh, but... I mean... Ha- yeah, Metal Gear Solid, uh, it, it, if you just like scripted it out and removed the video game language from it, anything that was trademarked, and then said it was a Q post, how many people on QAnon do you think would be like, sounds right? I think, I think, I think, oh, I think we're onto something yeah. here. Um, like, I, I, I think there's a certain level of predictiveness there. Yeah. Uh, but Death Stranding, on the other hand, is like an exact. Uh, inverse of that right is this idea that uh you know if social media uh was built up in such a way that like it eventually tore us apart instead of brought us together like this is how you could make a new version of the internet that is actually beneficial for humanity uh which i think is a really optimistic take um i don't know how 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 uh feasible it feels and that's kind of like one of my biggest struggles with i think the game on the whole is like it almost feels like such a naive idea on the surface you know even even like the idea of we're going to connect the United cities of America and like America's really important, Sam, we got to connect it all again. And I, I just remember for most of the game feeling like I don't believe this. And I know Sam doesn't either. The The wonderful thing is that eventually that kind of turns on its head. And I think they kind of call yeah. out how naive that is, but they really ask you to believe it for a very long time. And, and I just did not. And that that's kind of one of the reasons that I got so invested in doing like side quests and stuff like that was like, I don't believe in the United cities of America, but I, do believe in giving the director of kong skull island the the uh king kong (laughs) figure that he dropped for some reason pizza i believe in pizza (laughs) i believe in pizza Uh, i 
I, I, I agree. I, and I think, like, <laughs> yeah, ultimately, the message is more, hey, it's the cancer and the cure. And it's both at the same time. Yeah. It's not like one that leads to the other. It is that <laughs> it will cause us innumerable problems, but it will also heal itself. And it is that kind of like, at the end of the day, it's like 60% good, 40% bad. So it's probably worth it to have it. Right. Like, it, it, it creates a more good, but just a little. And it's going to create some bad along the way, too. And like, you know, what... It, I, I, again, like I, I, I said at the very top, like I think its depiction of progress is very truthful, and that progress almost—I mean, almost always—it always creates some inequality while also solving some, mm-hmm. right? And that we're obviously largely in a better place today than culture was 300 years ago. Right. But that doesn't mean like things are fixed at all. Like there's still tons and tons and tons of problems. And those problems are created by the things that we thought would get us a little bit further than we were yesterday or the day before that. So I I, I think, again, I think that's like a pretty rich take on on reality. Um, Yeah. Again, especially compared to any video game. Like it's just absolutely swinging at ideas that are just, I, 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 they're so complicated that I'm, I'm almost surprised to see them here in in this setting. Not that I don't like his other games, but I, I just didn't feel that way about any of the Metal Gear Solid games. I always thought like, there's some good ideas here, but largely this is pretty silly. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm 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 with you. And it just really I'm glad that this game made its money back, you know, so we can get whatever the next yeah. thing is, because like I am fully on board with everything that Kojima Productions releases from this point on. Like, I I don't know if I will ever be a fan of Metal Gear, but I'm definitely a fan of like Death Stranding and post Death Stranding Kojima, at least. Uh, and I'm, I'm very interested to see what comes next. Yeah. Good video game. <laughs> I just heard AJ's heart break when he said, I'm never going to play a pre Death Stranding Metal Gear game. Um, <laughs> I, di- I did just get the HD collection. So like, I think true. I'll probably play it. We'll check it out one day. I was going to say that I just felt bad because we talked a lot about the ending and, and I felt like we didn't get to loop you in as much. So I didn't know if you want, if you want to talk about, if we want to talk about 13 Sentinels. <laughs> what do you want to talk about? I want to make you, I want to, I want to kind. you. I want to finish Earthbound so I can not say my sin. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean, I honestly like I, I really I was really excited to have you on because I really wanted to hear what you thought of this, because like weirdly enough, our experience is kind of opposite. Like when, when Brendan and I got the game, I played a lot of it right away um, and it was one of my uh, goatee picks in 2019. And like mm-hmm. I, I remember feeling like pretty and that was, you know, pre COVID. So like. I remember getting up to where I was and feeling like, I was like I'm, I'm good with this. Like, I feel kind of sated by this, you know, like I wanted to see it through. Like it's been on my backlog of games to finish for a long time. And now I definitely want to, and don't feel bad about spoiling. Honestly, I think like I kind of needed a little bit of incentive to keep playing because I felt so full. That's what I was hoping for. Just yeah. inherently there's a different lens now. In playing, I mean, honestly, like I think about this game when I bring groceries back upstairs. Like it's, it definitely stays with me in the like uh, mundane moments of my life that are involving carrying things and looking out for ghosts. <laughs> um, sure, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I thought I, I really, I really enjoyed hearing what you guys had to say about this and just the passion for it. And like, I'm pretty optimistic I'll feel a similar way given how positive i felt like in my time up until now so yeah it's a good game also 13 sandals another good game uh hey there's a lot of good games out there 
Yeah, thank thank you so much for uh, beating the Thirteen Sentinels drum along with us, Chris. <laughs> I'm I'm just glad that there are five, six of us. We've got now. like a barbershop like quartet of Thirteen yeah. Sentinels. I saw fans. some of the Waypoint people are getting in on it, which which makes me happy. Just slowly but surely, it really. I mean, we said this early on, but like it really is the near automata of last year. Is like eventually everyone will come around on it. Yeah, except for near automata sold. That's the, that's <laughs> yeah, the true. difference. Um, people bought that game. I felt like I on, on Kotaki yesterday they had a link to like these thirteen Sentinels plush toys. Yeah, I saw I was that. Like, oh man, I love it! And I was like, wow, they're thirty five dollars for a single plush toy. Like, what the hell? And then I was looking at the website. I'm like, oh, this is like a major specialty site. Oh yeah, nobody played this game. Like, <laughs> of course, like th- this is probably somebody who's like, I really want these plush toys, but we're gonna have to put them at a premium because we're only gonna make like a hundred because yeah. that's literally the number of people who played the game. So you have to pay to all of them buying these toys. It's I yeah I just I love it so much and I don't expect anyone to ever play it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's definitely caught on in the Discord. I'll say that like there's definitely like a passionate. Yeah like group of people who have played it i mean it's it's kind of like that was a game that even brendan and i kind of needed to be sold on because like the trailer for it isn't especially interesting and like you really do have to like be told like you have to experience this like it really just like you got to trust it um and it's hard to because there's some things on the surface that are really off-putting so like i don't blame anyone for like bouncing but like it is such a special game i mean we've talked a lot about it but it's worth saying again yeah absolutely yeah i yeah. and i mean now now it's on sale all the time too which like yeah i mean if you if you weren't cool with spending 60 bucks on it like at least it's on sale a lot now which is a yeah. bummer but also a gift for people who maybe uh maybe want to check it out chris do you have any other like 13 sentinels that we should be playing hmm uh oh I remember the thing that I I wanted to talk about, and I talked about this like a tiny bit on Besties. This is actually going back to Death Stranding, but I really recommend if people are enjoying Death Stranding and like you know people are playing along with the show, you should really read Into Thin Air, the John Grockauer book mm. um, about the 1996 expedition to the peak of Mount Everest. Yeah, okay, uh, which went really terribly wrong, and Krakauer actually was on the expedition. Um, he was writing it for a story for Outside Magazine, and then uh, it went, I mean, just horrifically wrong. And it is the recounting of, of both the ascension and dissension of, of, the, of the mountain. But it's one of those things where you don't realize you're getting pulled to something until after you finish it. And like, mm. oh, of course that I had to read that now, yeah. um, having enjoyed Death Stranding. And it goes into such great detail about how uh, high altitude climbing works and how hiking works and how your body responds to um, that sort of activity and the things that you need and the value of uh, partnership and like how high altitude climbing, unless you're like just a, a, you know, true special special climber is about (laughs) needing other people to help you and like the single greatest thing when you are climbing everest is if you happen to be going up after another party during that session who has already put up the tethers and the ropes oh Um, because then you don't have to so you can like ascend much much faster or there was like a legendary uh ladder uh on on one of like the the fourth ascension that had been left by a party like 
like years ago and then eventually it, it deteriorated but for years it was like oh that ladder like that one ladder is so important to us because people made the effort to bring it up wow um and there there are entire incentives now to remove uh waste like wasted air bottles from the mountain so you actually can be given cash rewards sherpas are usually given cash rewards to bring them down in reading that after playing the game and, and just learning about really what these mechanics are based off of gave me an entirely different level of appreciation for what this game is. And like, I, you know, I got so caught up in like the heady metaphor of it that it, after reading this, I was like, oh, no, actually, this is just a great game about mountaineering. Like, actually, <laughs> uh, just on a really fundamental level, this is just a brilliant depiction of of this sport and hobby. And then it's also all those other things. And that was so cool. Like, it was just so cool to see how much effort had been put into this game um, in terms of appreciating what you're doing. Like, that, that it's not just a game mechanic. Like, no, they really did adapt this activity for the game. Yeah. And make it feel like the real thing. I'm so glad you didn't say the postman, which like became that Kevin Costner movie, which is always the, 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 <laughs> the, the, the book pairing I see with this game. You know, they say the postman always rings twice, but I always say, watch the postman twice. Cause you don't appreciate it until that second viewing. <laughs> It's a lie. I, my, my cousin actually got me the postman, uh, novel when I was like 12. Um, and it's one of those, uh, Christmas gifts that you just never forget. He got me that. Sorry, this is such a dumb tangent. He got me that, the single for Pearl Jam's Jeremy, and the uh, <laughs> the original novel for Starship Troopers. Oh, um, man. Which, let me tell you, very different than the movie because it's way more fascist sincerely. Yeah. Um, so he was great at gifts is what I'm, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> I just got such a clear image of Sam hiking a mountain. It's like, try to race man! Because he <laughs> chugs some Mountain Dew or whatever he's... Uh, Monster Energy, excuse me. <laughs> Sam spoke in class today. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sam, Jeremy spoke in class today. <laughs> That's nice. That's nice to hear. He must be doing well. Oh, he's doing terrible, Sam. <laughs> he's doing really bad. If there's one thing you should know about Jeremy, he is not well. <laughs> oh, no. I do like the idea of video game and book pairings now that I'm thinking about it more. Yeah, what would be the novel you pair with 13 Sentinels? I mean, that's almost more novel-esque given its, you know, style. Probably but. like the manual for my car, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but all the pages have been torn out and put in random order. <laughs> Take nice. like your journal from middle school and the manual for your car and just kind of throw it in the air. <laughs> And like maybe the Breakfast Club script somehow. <laughs> e yeah, that, that's the problem with with Thirteen Sentinels is it's just a game about other stuff you've read, right? And, and right. Seen. Yeah. So it could be like I don't know my everything on my shelf. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess like it's that. Yeah. I I'm I'm trying to think of like a, another game that I, I I've done that with recently. I've had it a few times. Yeah. Have you Have you all read? Um. I think it's called the Nine and a Half or Eight and a Half Deaths. Oh my gosh. Half deaths of uh the seven and a half deaths of evelyn hardcastle no I have you read this no y'all i have a book for you <laughs> hell yeah it's called the seven and a half deaths deaths of evelyn hardcastle um it is a 
And so the, the, the quote on Amazon uh, from AJ Finn is, Agatha Christie meets Groundhog Day. Wow. Eh, kind of. More like Agatha Christie meets video games. It is an Agatha Christie type of like mystery, mm-hmm. except the protagonist is a, might as well be a player. And every day they wake up in a new body of one of the people in the mystery house. Oh, hell so yeah. So it's like a mansion where something goes wrong. But every day they wake up and they're a different person inside of the mansion and they have to find a way out of this. That sounds Um, great. That sounds really good. It's wonderful. And like reading that and playing the Hitman 3 uh, (laughs) Knives Out stage right alongside each other is that that is my other book pairing uh, with video game of of the moment oh, i mean man. i love that i love i love when you can have those sorts of symmetries with whatever oh, yeah. like enjoying something in one space and finding something that can, like flatters it in yeah. another space like death stranding and not sleeping <laughs> <laughs> or or playing so long that you're grateful for a moment to eat <laughs> um hunger pairs well with death stranding i'll throw out one recommendation actually that that uh I, i've seen a lot on the internet and that's why i did it and that's why i'm also recommending it is uh play firewatch and then read fire season which is uh really wonderful so so firewatch great campo santo game Please come back, Campo Santo. Uh, and then uh, Fire Season, which is just a game. I mean, it is a book about uh, what it is actually <laughs> like to live in a fire tower in the time period the Firewatch takes place in. Fascinating. Wow. That sounds good. Steven, do you have yeah. one for us? I'm trying to think of one. I'm, I, I don't know if I have a direct book and video game pairing. I like... Yeah, I'll have to get back to you on that. I don't have one immediately on the top of my head. I will say that I did pick up Hayao Miyazaki's uh, Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind manga. Oh, apparently that yeah. inspired Final Fantasy to be created. So, like, there is kind of a connection there. Hell but yeah. That's a little bit more, like, actually direct, unless, like, this is emotionally the same or, like... I mean, I think it counts. I like... Yeah. I think All that right, counts. cool, cool. Yeah, that would be my that would be my pairing. Play, uh, play any, like, old school RPG and then read Nausicaa. Hell yeah. Wow. As the official judge of <laughs> games, the only official judge. I also like how I kind of just like lazily wave my hand like a bored king. Like, read Nausicaa. If you must. <laughs> I bore this. Read Nausicaa. <laughs> RPGs? Why I'd rather listen to Coldplay. <laughs> Uh, Earthbound? I guess I'll play the first half. <laughs> um, actually, Earthbound, I feel like there's definitely a book that would pair well with like Earthbound or Mother 3. Maybe like Hitchhiker's Guide or something. Something like that, I feel like would be yeah, similar. Yeah, Breakfast of Champions, maybe. I feel like yeah. there'd be something in that, that kind of that space. For sure. Uh, um, Steven and I are currently endeavoring into playing Mother 3 at the moment. Uh Yeah. Oh man, what a video game! Have you played Mother Three? Is this the first time for both of you? Oh yeah, yeah, first time. <laughs> oh, I can't wait for that episode. That's gonna be that's gonna be a heavy one. That's gonna be a heavy one. Oh, <laughs> I actually might I might I might take this as an opportunity to like figure out what is the book to pair with Mother Three. I'll get back to you both. <laughs> okay, I'm excited yeah. for that. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to. I want to say anything. I I I, I don't want to ruin any of that journey for you. Play Bloodborne um, and read Les Mis. There's one. There's a good one for you. <laughs> New Super Mario Brothers, you and the Bible. God said Paper no! Boy. <laughs> Newsies. 
Paperboy and Newsies. I'm just saying, it's 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 time. Yeah, and seize the day. It does sound um, like we should stop the episode, huh? Yeah, <laughs> I guess I guess we've hit maximum punchy. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Chris, thank you so much for joining us again. This is really fun. I'm glad we made this happen. Thank you for having me uh, and humoring me descending into madness, especially in these like last 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what tends to happen with us, too. Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad that you and I had like weirdly similar experiences at the same time that really worked out. But if you ever want to come on the show and talk about whatever it is that you feel like you can't talk about elsewhere. <laughs> hey, the Aether <laughs> is here and waiting. <laughs> I, I appreciate it i it, it is um sad that I, I i do have the other podcast uh, the uh, the besties uh i think we're calling it a video game club now because uh our pal russ rushtick said we can't call it a video game book club because books are for losers i think we just um, actually invented the video game book club on this show by accident so, <laughs> and there, you, there you go I, you should you should run with it because apparently not a lot of these not ours but uh i i, I do realize that despite us having that they don't enjoy talking about <laughs> one game for three hours um, and, and slowly losing your brain um so I, I i do genuinely appreciate that you afford me this space uh to be unhealthy of course I think it's very healthy. It reminds me like in high school when I would have a different lunch period and I had to find the table that like I could be myself at. <laughs> it's a similar energy. It's like, yes. oh, these guys will let me just be weird for three hours. I love it. And I, I yeah. honestly mean that in a nice way. I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, is there anything else you want to plug, Chris? Uh, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Wow, the show's over too. Okay, goodbye. <laughs> and Deather had kind of a Sopranos esque ending. Where it was just, <laughs> Do you want to plug anything? No. It's I've never seen a podcast cut to black before, but <laughs> there's like a, there's a great blonde Putinesca that I've been making, and the New York Times recipe page. Maybe that you should okay. check it out. It's good. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming back on the show. I guess I guess we should actually uh, wrap up. Hey, dear listener, um, if you like the show, please uh, tweet about it or something. You can go to IntoTheCast.online uh, and find all of our links everywhere. That's Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube, the works. Um, outside of that, if you really like the show, you could go to Apple Podcasts and give us a review. That would be really lovely if you're uh, feeling so inclined. But honestly, just have a good day. <laughs> That's all I want. It, feel, it feels especially <laughs> surreal to plug social media after talking about Death Stranding for this I know, long. I, I, I was happening. I was like, "This is game. not what matters." <laughs> if you like your pizza, give me thousands of likes, please. <laughs> oh my God! Yes, wow, that was thrilling. We just got a Skype thumbs up from Chris. I want to do the same. Wow, dear listener, this is nothing for you, but over here, it's like a, it's like a 2001 journey of emojis. That's <laughs> like blurring past me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. <laughs> we love you so much. Bye. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening. <laughs>